0: It's time for Off The Record, On The Rocks. Each episode, Michael Toner and Ankarina Lara break down the latest news on all things Web3, AI, Metaverse, and crypto, filtering out noise and connecting dots as we pour ourselves into the future.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another <laughs> Off The Record, On The Rocks with my good friend, Nitra Ankarina Lara. How are you doing, sir?
0: I mean, with our new sound beds, I'm feeling very relaxed. I'm feeling the island vibes late summer, but you know what? It's still, it's still warm. It still feels like
1: you can get out and get a little sun. Yeah. Little pull, tea. pull up a chair. We're going to go from the macro down to the local. We're going to cover everything happening in the market, in the economy. When you say, you know, feeling the relax, it's, it's late summer, end of August. I think we're right in between the two blue moons. It's a, it's a long August. It's always a long, weird month. Uh, staring down the barrel of September, waiting for Labor Day here in the States. It's been it's been a busy week, though. We've got uh, a lot going on in the political landscape, the GOP, their national debate, our former president uh, and his top attorney, former Times Man of the Year, turning himself in at the Fulton County Jail. Um, meanwhile, the SEC is still getting work done on Capitol Hill. There's a couple of pending announcements coming you got lots of crypto news, lots of institutional stuff still moving. No word yet on the ETFs. What's your take? Uh, last full week in August. Yeah, you know, I I was looking a lot to this, to, to
0: Wyoming. We were talking about the Tetons at the end of our last recording because all the, the Fed boys were heading out to fly fish and have some steaks, have a little boot scoot and talk about what's coming next. And sounds like all the, the bellwethers are blowing towards uh, Mr. Powell saying we're going to keep the rates high and we might even raise them further, which to me, I guess, signals that in a time when people are trying to accumulate cryptocurrency, when big companies are readying big ETF products, maybe it's time to make money more expensive. You know, maybe, maybe borrowing against, uh, against those kinds of investments is going to cost you a little extra and the United States wants to hedge that. Yeah. It feels like that's happening right now.
1: From this afternoon, Jerome Powell coming out of Wyoming uh, according to Bloomberg, the Fed probably needs at least quote one more rate increase. Um, so this is you know probably where we're at. we're gonna go one more rate increase uh, former treasury chief reiterates view yields will head higher. Um, so yeah, they're gonna raise interest rate at least once more and what does that mean that we're kind of still in this this holding pattern? Inflation hasn't come down far enough. Job market is still still hot. But what does that mean in terms of borrowing, accumulating? This is where, you know, let's let's zoom out all the way out. We've, we've talked a lot about the de-dollarization um, <laughs> and we've talked about, you know, over the summer here, just within the past 30, 60 days, the BRIC countries saying formally that they were going to abandon the U.S. dollar for for international settlement these transactions and lean towards other currencies um mm-hmm. we talked about the wand we've talked about the digital one the, the digital ruble you know i don't know if you want your hot take here but the, the brick countries were supposed to come together and there were some absent countries who may need to be accumulating some cryptocurrency yeah, some yeah the,
0: the, the bricks we, we <laughs> talked about the brick because they came out hard this was months ago and they actually, I think they, they completed a transaction, which was, was the shot over the bow. Um, there was some deal that was done. Maybe it was between Russia and China. It was between two of the countries and the dollar wasn't used. That was the first shot. And you think, oh, and then when you look at the, the, the composition, right? I mean, BRIC is an acronym. So you, you're looking at Brazil and Russia. Um, I believe the I is India, the C, China. And now I want to say that they're looking to bringing in Saudi Arabia, and I want to say some some of the the more oil rich countries in the Middle East are going to be added into this new whatever they're going to end up calling it if it stays BRICS, if BRICS. Um, and they have these meetings, and the meeting was in South Africa, this most recent one. There was a lot of talk because um, Xi Ping was supposed to be there in person, which is a big deal. Putin was supposed to be there in person. Last minute, couldn't come right because. They didn't want to have to arrest him or whatever in Johannesburg. There was some great article about like there was a group of people waiting on the runway to oh, arrest no. him if he showed up because he, I guess, has an Interpol uh, crime alert for him for the for the war crimes from Ukraine. So there was a team there. He didn't show. So Putin's not there. He joins via Zoom or virtually. They say, <laughs> and then Xi Jinping, who's there, doesn't go to the meeting. He like has another meeting and he attends virtually, which is also in- very interesting. So. It makes me wonder, gosh, there's this whole collection of countries, but two of them aren't there. And they're the two who have had a lot of intrigue, especially when we talk about stuff on our show, because they've been involved not only in the incursion in Ukraine, but they all have these little tethers and hands in the natural resources required to create technology. And they buy and sell it to each other. So it's like of all these, like not all these things are like the other, Two of them were playing a little different in this little brick court. And I was wondering, is that a signal for the kind of the, the fracturing? Is that why the Saudi Arabian money is going to come in? Like, what is it about bricks that's sort of shaky now? It feels like there's a shaky foundation.
1: <laughs> you were still laying out a lot of stuff in the past week. And you mentioned Putin. You mentioned Russia absent at this meeting. Uh, you said, have you been involved in? And the first thing that came to my mind was, have you been involved in planes falling out of the sky? So maybe one reason why he wasn't at the meeting is he had to take care of uh, our dear friend Pergrosian, uh and and, you know, needed to this oversee thing uh, in the meantime. But talk about a headline that nobody is surprised uh, and everybody is <laughs> just including Biden, you know, being quoted almost immediately saying nothing happens in Russia without Putin knowing about it. It's yeah. Just everyone kind of is. Yeah. we You knew it was coming. It is important to the storyline, I think, because it is this, well, squashing of any uh, insurrection against Putin and his power. And if he's now still negotiating what that, uh, you know, what is Russia's new economy going to look like? And is it going to be built on a digital currency backed with the other BRIC countries? Is it going to be built on a digital ruble? How much beholden are they going to be to the U.S. dollar? It's a whole geopolitical landscape playing out. And he needed to take care of the one guy who tried to kill him.
0: No, the one guy who just tried to have a CNN article written about how he was defiant. I mean, to even like go so far as to say he was trying to kill him, I think is if you're gonna stretch, like you just turn your, your car 180 degrees and face it in the other direction. Hey, I mean, you might as well never get an airplane again. I mean, I, I actually think that they were trying to time that accident at the same time they smash that rocket into the moon. Like it would have been a perfect way to cover up the Wagner news. If you crash the, you know, the moon rocket oh, famously. It's gotta into be related. Moon, and it's just like, oh, these other things are going down. And there's some other general they bring up who's like the head of aerospace and he's going to be fired too. And like, you know, obviously someone has to get fired for this rocket crashing into the moon. They can't let India take fourth place on the moon. Like India just, guys, India, I mean, look for our listeners, we've been talking a lot about the influence of these different countries. In the last few months, we call it this entire year, I would say, India has been really popping into the the, the whole geopolitical landscape talk 200%. as it pertains to technology, as it pertains to, to um, crypto, to AI. Like these articles, you know, look, India has more humans in this country than any other country in the world. India is on the South Pole of the moon, pr- presumably drilling for the, uh, the ice and the water to demonstrate that we can like land there instead of colonies. Like that's that's real like R and D that Elon Musk can get behind, right? He wants to know how can we set up, you know, colonies on, on planets. And now it's such a, 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 such a hot topic, all of this, you know, excitement that now all these articles are hitting that the exchanges, all these cryptocurrency exchanges, all these methods of transacting, there's peer to peer networks. There's, there's gaming, uh, play, play, play to earn. And they're all now rice with scamming activity. And that's how, you know that a market is really taking off, right? This is like, (laughs) play it back here in the States, for the US scammers who really kind of started up around 2017, 2018, where you really did have those, you know, QR code on the screen. Join now live broadcast, Vitalik Buterin is talking, send me some ether and I'll send you back five times because it's a special airdrop promo. Like that is now happening in India. So that's how you know that that, this market is red hot. So to me, it feels like of all the things, you know, and then you have, uh, is it two or one Indian Americans
1: on on the GOP stage? Yeah, it's it's a really great observation. And, and, you know, we have talked about it. You've got a lot of the big CEOs. You've got uh, Nadella at, you know, succeeding Steve Ballmer from 2014. Now as the CEO of Microsoft, you've got Sundar over at Google. These are folks Mm. that, You know, our our American business executives of Indian descent and uh, and yes, to your point, now you've got a rising star in the GOP who was, by all accounts, the winner of the first GOP debate uh, in with Vivek. And and, you know, what does that what does that look like now when you're talking about politics and technology and money and governments and being able to have the equipment and the technology to land a rocket on the moon, you you kind of glossed over it, but in the past week, uh, India landed on the moon. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so not to be uh, putting a fine tip on it, but um, I think it's a real, real force in the geopolitical landscape, both from the business side of things and now at least here in the, you know, in the the States with uh, a front running GOP candidate um, who, you know, is, is Indian.
0: And what was disappointing, however, because it is very exciting, everything we've just outlined. What was disappointing was not one person on the GOP stage talked at all about cryptocurrency. I no. thought that was an opportunity where, but, but you know, as, as I play it back and kind of think about the things I did touch on and talk about, it, there's only so many talking points you can really throw, I guess, in a first debate. And as I think about the implications, I guess, of talking about cryptocurrency, which then makes you have to start talking about the economy and everyone's so quick on that stage to talk about biden's economic you know headwinds and these things coming it's all very party line critique when it comes down to it the federal reserve and Jerome powell aren't really supposed to be operating like on party lines right they're sort of managing the economy so i see how you couldn't maybe go that hard into that subject because it sort of takes you away from attacking the current administration and starts attacking like America generally. Right. So I you not know, like this would be a delicate convo to bring in this talk. But I really, I'm hoping by the second and third debates that this is something that comes up because again, we talked about this before, they all want to accept campaign donations. And if the government won't tell them how to receive crypto, they're not going to make as much money during the cycle as they possibly could. So I feel like this is just, we're just at that moment where as soon as the government says, oh, here's what crypto is in black and white, well, then maybe these GOP hopefuls will be on the stage actually addressing that up front.
1: What's, I'm just going to play something out. This is completely somewhat off topic, but it's kind of, I, I guess we haven't played this scenario in <laughs> it's a little Friday. <laughs> while. Friday. When you talk about like what's happening in terms of, you know, crypto within India, one of the, the largest populations or one of the largest populations, that there's a, a growing learning curve around crypto, people buying in. And at the same time, we talked about these business executives. We talked about now a GOP candidate. You referenced they're going to want to raise money at crypto. The international implications here of now all of a sudden folks who've got a little e, uh, a little Dogecoin, a little XRP, you know, that they're, they're, they're buying and acquiring. And as these things are going up over the next, let's say, 18 months after the next interest rate, after the regulation, now all of a sudden you've got uh, an international payment mechanism where folks could be donating to their favorite candidate from all over the world. That's a whole other ballgame that we haven't talked about in terms of politics and money and how you get elected. And now all of a sudden you could have folks who, uh, you know, maybe live in India or live in the UK or live in, uh, in Japan or wherever they might be. And they could be transferring East via a wallet to a U.S.-based political action committee that's supporting a candidate. So that there's a whole implication there that we haven't played through, but I just went from the, oh, yeah, if you can now raise money globally. And what are the implications
0: of that? Like you just said, which is you start to see as we're seeing these whale wallets, as people refer to them as a whale wallet, yeah. meaning a large amount of crypto that's sitting in a wallet somewhere that hasn't really done anything in some long period of time. They talk about whales waking up. Well, but- Let's go right to what you about to say. Yeah, let's get to, get to this three understand. billion
1: bag. Man. This three billion bag. So, yeah, where we're going here is is this headline broke uh, about somebody moving a three point one billion dollar bag. It's uh, a lot and, of money. And the moment wow. I saw it, I was like, I've seen that number before. Like, I literally three point one. Yeah. And, and I, I, I go to Google it and the screenshot that I sent you is hilarious yeah. because it's like all of these headlines and they go back to 2019. And when you follow the money, you follow the thread from 2019. It was first about scams in Silk Road and the $3.1 billion bad that got confiscated. And then the, the next one was from uh, 2022 FTX collapsed and owes nearly $3.1 billion to the top 50 creditors. And then it was 2022, November 2022, Fed announces seizure of $3 billion in Bitcoin stolen a decade ago. And then here's the $3.1 billion bag. This is, this is, you can't make this up. And what if that
0: $3.1 million bag just ends up in some super PAC somewhere, right? right? If you're saying it's just, and the money is not supposed to, there's not supposed to be international interest meddling with the United States elections. Like, God forbid someone tracks some wallet back to, you know, a Russian national. They were trying to track Facebook ads to Russian nationals. That's right. Like, and they could really, they could, they could kind of get there. They could show that the, the origin, right? The, the, you could see the original IP addresses, but really was, was any large scale, you know, enforcements played out? Not really, right? It's really hard to go find people who are good at hiding their identity online. So if you can place Facebook ads and buy them. And do that internationally, then gosh, seems like it'd be really easy to be moving lots of these these hidden wallets, unless the government says, oh, here are the rules around how you can make donations and you have to actually name yourself. You like almost have to dox yourself. And oh, by the way, don't think hey, of it as dox- he- <laughs> don't think of, don't think of it as doxing. Just think of it as engaging with the United States government. Cause you're gonna use Fed now or this other thing, and you're gonna know who you are. And here's your 10 fingerprints and Office of Homeland Security so approves and now the money moves in and it's crypto and It's great and it can be taxed. But yeah, a 3.1 this, serious bag moving around could be covering up any one of those debts you just mentioned. It could, is, could be the Department of Justice.
1: We, we <laughs> are just getting too good at this, honestly. I, I'm looking at a headline from Jathan Derrick at uh, Crypto News. This is BlackRock's BTC wallet sparks concerns. And many of the concerns are talking about that BlackRock's ten trillion dollar war chest uh, has a coupled with a quote revolving door relationship with the White House and a history of financing political campaigns. BlackRock boasts power and influence across corporate America and Washington, the likes of which are unrivaled. Well done, uh, Jathan. Well done. Well said. Honestly, August twenty fourth. This is yesterday's headline and. I'm looking at that and saying, "Yeah, it's what we're talking about here." When all of the, all of a sudden that three billion dollar bag ends up, who who get who's going to be left holding the bag? And <laughs> it's, it's going to be like musical chairs, and then the music's going to stop, and someone's not going to have a seat, and they're going to be
0: out, like they're going to be gone. Like that three point one million dollar billion dollar bag too. It's like that hot potato, right? Because some someone's going to take responsibility for it yeah and it's going to either be a story that's going to be a heroic one like we are making whole these investors who lost money or making whole or you know the original this or the original that or it's going to be a story of hey this was money that was absconded with but because of some nefarious means we the united states government are moving this to manage this it's going to be used as a you know like an evidence and like a piece of evidence entered into some further case, right? Because we, we really haven't seen this future place where a crypto wallet address is entered into evidence. I mean, I'm assuming that during these, when, when you seize things, right, there's some evidence or a report where there's an investigation and there must be some listing of evidence seized and assets and there's going to be just like an OX address basically, right? And it's going to say, this is what was seized. Like, is it on a thumb drive? Doesn't even really matter, right? It's just this address and they're going to move it. And then they're going to start following it and telling these stories around. And whatever story they tell is the story that's true because they, the owner of the wallet, who is the only person who actually knows or the only group of people who know where the money came from. So if you're the only people who know, you can say whatever story you want. So if it does end up on BlackRock's bottom line as them just accumulating to get ready for their ETF, it makes total sense even if it did come from silk road and got handed over to them just as a little favor right it's just a, yet another weird data point that every that they, like it's like it's almost deliberately obfuscated it's always 3 billion it's always 3.1
1: well and a little bit of a different point i mean i think that's 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 one piece of it we're talking about the money but you started to talk about like facebook ads and having been here before in the political landscape and i actually point to you know the last round of elections where most americans we're at least hearing glimpses of the algorithm. Like when we talk about the algorithm, when we talk about AI, you know, here on the show and, and how people learn about it and neural engine and different words that get used to describe natural language, Chat, chat, chat GPT entering the, the vernacular nine, ten months ago now. Mm-hmm. And, and people understand or think they have, you know, they have an understanding of what that means. I really credit that that last election cycle for people understanding programmatic advertising. As a marketer and somebody who has done paid ads and targeted ads on social for, you know, nearly 15, 20 years now, you, you you do learn how to serve an ad to a different demographic, age populations, what they're interested in, the types of books they read, the type of music they listen to, the types of movie they watch. It can create little cohorts, which is what famously the the, the the Russians were using that kind of AI based intelligence to create segmented ads, and I think most Americans heard this narrative uh, mm-hmm. that some of them chose to believe what they were being fed. Some of them recognized and were and viewed it with skepticism. And, but my point in that is that's just the ad. Now we're layering in the AI with the money and and the the speed with which those ads can now be created in a generative AI way the the targeting that can be done to show a visual that you know programmatically is the last thing you just texted you know like Mm -hmm. the speed with which now you can personalize those and and the speed with which you can pay for that that's a whole nother ball game now and you've got now elon with probably the biggest show to drop on x uh, going up against the GOP debate with Tucker Carlson to say, nope, here's the media. Here's where you can come watch it. Now, couple all that together, live streaming of the candidate on X. Hashtag your, hashtag your favorite. Vivek. Your favorite candidate right now. Right now we're playing this through. We've talked about this. We We've talked about this exact scenario, but you see the pieces of this reality getting stacked where that scenario, 200 million views on a Twitter video, X video got more views than the live broadcast on Fox of the GOP debate. Imagine when the fundraising turns on on that channel.
0: Well, how about imagine when Tucker Carlson turns on his crypto wallets, because how much did he make from subscribers watching that broadcast? Like what would be his cut of that? Something significant, right? And it's like, they're getting checks sent every month. It's a whole new mechanism to distribute. Like you said, content that is, uh, it could be content that is genuine, right? I mean, nothing, there's no content clearance that happens on X the same way that say, CNN or Fox might clear content, clear questions. You can kind of get anything on X. And so that's gonna be another area where you just described. Like I imagine that, that Facebook ad, that whole era where okay, you can't really believe the advertisements that you're seeing, right? You start That starts to seep into your mind. But now we're getting to a place, which my mind runs to, which is, well, now we're getting to a place where the content itself, we can't necessarily believe is authentic. Because yeah, if it's Carlson and it's Trump, okay, we've pre, we have a pretty good idea that it's probably going to be really him, really on Tucker Carlson. But there's a whole lot of other people creating content on X that aren't those two people. And so... And what is the validity of it? And people are still going to pay for it. So could you create just an AI feed of just live video content?
1: Probably. Yes, you could create digital twins that are talking in real time, hundreds of thousands of robots that can answer questions. This leads me back to I need I need Vivik's profile authenticated with his clear icon when he's on the video. I need it. The I need the LinkedIn uh, authenticated symbol which, by the way, he's going to get from uh, Sundar uh, over <laughs> over at Microsoft, yeah. put on there to say, this is the candidate. They're in the room. We scanned their eyeballs. We know it's them when the one you're watching is really them. It's not the digital twin.
0: Instead of having a little red dot for live, she's going to have like a little two little eyeball irises for red. terrified. It's, uh, it's what it's coming to. i will
1: give one of our listeners in the, the, the comment threads was talking about, how do I know it's the two of you? You look like robot, and I sort of laughed to myself. Was like, yeah, it's funny. We we you could take and create a digital twin, have the AI write the script, have it film. People are doing this and creating content, and there's nothing stopping politicians and candidates from personalizing that story, raising funds off of it, and it's going to. They're going to need an authentication layer of their human body, their optic ID, of uh, you know. So yes, back to Clear and Microsoft, this was huge news last week. I had so much fun digging into this because, you know, it really came to life right here live as we're talking through all of these things. I'm like, oh shit, Microsoft and Clear. And then I saw it was everywhere uh, all week. And I, I think my objective in re re-describing it here is why it's important, putting it in the context of there's a political election, here's a really good example at scale of why it's going to be important to authenticate somebody's likeness.
0: Not to authenticate the humanness. And yeah, for our listeners, to be t- totally fair, there's software we, we use as we process these podcasts that if there's a mistake and someone's name is mispronounced or those words that were used that shouldn't be, you can go in, type a text prompt and it will auto remove it and kind of dub in a version of our voice to cover that. Even translating us into different languages. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's everywhere and I'm looking forward to having my I, my eyeball is verified, so everyone knows it's me. But speaking about that, the, those partnerships, like whenever you see a really good partnership hit, it's always important to talk about all the other partnerships that are being announced, I think in that same window. And this week, of course, had another major announcement, right? We haven't really heard a lot from what might be the the Apple Vision Pro competitors, right? We, we know there's one out there, a big one called Meta meta and zuckerberg like to get in front of apple during their quiet period if we can rewind a few episodes back just before apple had it special day in cupertino if you recall those two weeks leading up to it zuckerberg was very vocal talking about how many billions of dollars he was going to be pouring into his you know oculus and his new quest and the metaverse and all this stuff and on and on and on. but you don't hear too too much from google and then this week kind of i felt like a little bit it was a little bit out of left field on honestly was not only an announcement that there is a partnership being worked on between Google and Samsung, but it is for a headset type and augmented, I didn't say augmented, was an augmented experience. They had some, they, they did some like tooling of the wording of how they referred to what it was gonna be. It was gonna be an XR something, I don't know what they called it a headset or, they, they seem like they steered around some of the words that Apple uses, but at any rate, the announcement was weird to me because it comes out in the dead middle of summer, in a week where there's so much other, maybe they're trying to bury it, but the, but the announcement is, Hey, we're working on something, but it's not going to be here until like really late next year, which yeah. again, it's like, why come out in the dead of summer and tell everybody, Hey, if, a, you probably weren't even expecting this, but B now that you are, because I'm telling you about it, don't even get too excited. Cause 18 months away from anything, it's going to be even remotely usable.
1: I did. I did just find it, and then I lost it in the same exact moment. But it extended reality, I think, it was extended the, extended uh,
0: reality.
1: Yeah, extended reality headset. Um, okay, which is interesting. But yeah, after abandoning its own augmented reality glasses efforts under Project Iris, Google is now working hard with Samsung to create an extended reality headset. A fresh report from Business Insider dished out the inside scoop in terms of its development, Project Muhan, um, which you know I, I think. Uh my the other thing that I read about this is that after Apple's announcement, they've had to go back to the drawing board a little bit. Uh, one of those things where I think in terms of feature parity, they may have been so far behind that they're having to go back. Hint now, let's get out in front of it, say we're delayed by ourselves a couple of months. People know we're gonna, you know, that the Apple Vision Pro is gonna come out in March deliveries, ours won't be ready till this time next year. Um, but I think some of those delays are likely the feature parody but i do think you called samsung and you have called them for a long time in terms of don't rule them out uh, when it comes to the metaverse that's the biggest screen in your house and i got two of them one. yeah
0: i got two of them and look they have been app enabled forever they're very lightweight they're very cost effective they're beautiful you can go into your costco or whatever big box store is in your area usually there's some giant fancy Samsung right there in the front showing you beautiful slow motion 4K <laughs> and some aquarium or something like that. And it's like 400 bucks. <laughs> and that is your view into the metaphors, right? We talked about your hardware is access. Apple has your eyes, your face, going to go ahead and let you into its version of the entertainment verse. Well, now Microsoft has your eyes via clear. So you're going to let you into the, your v- version of the business verse. And now Google and Samsung, well, if these guys are the business verse and these guys are the entertainment verse, what are you guys, the tech verse? And so then everything,
1: it really does become a catch-all, right? (laughs) If I can log in with my Google and, and I, and authenticate myself. And now when I'm looking at my TV, I can have anything I want, both on that screen and off of it. I mean, this is, uh, to me, it's, it's interesting to see how these different partnerships have shaped up and who's partnering with who. Uh, we've talked about Apple and the banks and some of you know that, that aspect of it that don't rule that part out, too, when it comes to payments inside of whatever this big XR extended reality is going to look like. You know, when you think about Google, Google Wallet and and the payment mechanism that could then be enabled inside of this extended reality Samsung environment, uh, everybody's going to need to have their little ecosystem, a tech hardware partner, a tech partner. Uh, a payments partner, a
0: settlement partner, like you're saying. And here's one of just the, that that's one of the articles that they made me chuckle this week is that in a time when I feel like we have talked through, like sometimes we've talked through something to to the point where we just kick the horse just to death. Right. And I really did think that CBDCs were something that we had like let it, the, it was just a thing of the past. Right. It was originally this thing that kind of came up and the Democrats liked it. Obviously, the central banks liked it because it is in fact called a central bank digital currency. We've been talking CBDCs for years on the show. And then it just became Bitcoin and then it just became global currencies and sort of the The CBDC went away. Yeah, the ETS comes. But it's like now it's digital ruble, digital yuan, digital yuan. They don't say really CBDC, even though that's what it is. So it felt like kind of out of nowhere. (laughs) And of all people, Citibank, comes out of nowhere as if they for the first time uncovered this like amazing new thing and they're almost like the little kid who like found the toy in the closet that you hid from them for the year and they're like oh cbdc maybe that stands for citibank digital currency hey everybody this we this thing this is going to be fast way to settle settle debts guys this is going to be really a game changer is three days this is going to be instant and they're just like out there screaming and cheering and like, going on about this Great technological find. The, the, and it, I mean, that makes me think like, well, hey, don't cap the central banks. They're still going to go do whatever they're going to go do. They're probably going to make CBDCs a thing and use them within themselves. Like, and then there'll just be yet another weird blockchain that will have to get reconciled with Fed now. But two days. Tell me, ago, tell me about this. What happens
1: with these guys? Two days ago, CBDCs after, offer faster settlements, colon Diddy survey of global securities firm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just funny that you you made the point here that they're they're like, they discovered this, like the headline CBDCs offer faster settlement, like as if their survey discovered it. But the one that that stands out to me, second paragraph here, this is from Cointelegraph, Banking Giant Cities latest edition of its Securities Services Evolution White Paper. That's S-A-E, not not to be confused with S-E-C, the Securities Services Evolution White Paper highlighted India's recent move to a t one settlements which ensures all trade related settlements conclude within twenty four hours of a transaction that's super interesting so a layer one the t one tier one payment mechanism uh and it's straight up calling out that India's move to this to this new settlement layer the um, digital
0: rupee is make is making big moves that's that's the underlying thing but we but it's technology that we know like yeah Everyone is going to need a faster way to settle. I mean, it, it, a city a Citibank is maybe trying to scoop the narrative and be more forward-leaning. I didn't, does Citibank have large operations internationally? I don't know much about them as a business. I just know that you don't hear much from them in the news. I don't know we've seen their name pop up hardly at all. And they come out like these guys are gurus. Like they went out to the mount, surveyed everybody and came back and were like, hey, we're about to make, you know, Transaction three X, and it's happening right now. Yeah. If, if, if nothing else, don't count out central banks. They're going to be there talking about all the benefits that they're offering their customers, even if it is derivative and trite, based on like what we know is like the current real tech. You know, CBDCs could just be that half step into crypto that most companies take. You know, like when back in the older days, when like your business first came online with corporate email, and you're like, well, okay, guys, we have email. But everybody in the company is still writing memos with the pencil and paper, but you have, you check the box. Like maybe you just need to get that CBDC. Okay, now we're modern, right? Okay, gosh, now like let's let, you know, the rest of the world, like the Black Rocks and the others really run with these ETFs. Um, It just seems like it's something that is, it's counter to the the ethos of I think where everything is going currently. It's almost like it's a sideways step or a step back. It's like, yeah, this is technology that exists and it's important, but why? Why right now is it important at a time when we are showing, we're showing, you know,
1: PayPal is about to let you instantly settle with right. a variety of cryptocurrencies. I think everybody's trying to catch up, including some of those central banks. I think City putting out that kind of a white paper, making headlines with it here in August is about education, probably more so a signal to their other institutional clients. So if they have other businesses that have business banking at City. And maybe they're, you know, in closed door meetings with, with their giant merchants saying, hey, we're going to move your payment processing onto these new uh, PYUSD uh, through our bash buy- Guys over at Coinbase are going to be watching our move. Just want to let you know that's happening. We're going to put out these papers over the next couple of months to let, you know, the, the retail investor know what these CBDCs are. You'll see it on our LinkedIn, you know, that kind of thing. And they're telling, <laughs> they're telling their business clients, Hey, check our, check our news. So then when they get this news article, that's like CBDCs offer faster transaction payments. Yeah. No shit that, that this has been around for a while, but to City, they're now holding that up. They can shop it around and say, look, we, we, we told everybody we were doing this. You guys cool. ever cool. Coinbase, you good? Everybody good. I mean, even if they ultimately,
0: even if someone just copy and pasted whatever the code was and just dropped it in right i mean Copy it, pasta. It, i mean any any altcoin any pepe or whatever like the current or oh, altcoin tanking. the doge tanking. whatever what if what it's taking but like anything could be that settlement layer It just so happens the city banks That's have still that narrative one another one that um that I, we saw this week that i thought was really interesting in one of those moments where you no know, matter how gully you and how you know untouchable you think you are mr musk You've acquired the platform, Twitter, and rebranded it X. You, you still, in this time where there is no regulatory certainty around what are securities and what are commodities, and we're still waiting, it right, to get to the fall, where we'll have some true legislation. He likes to go and just troll, right? He trolls on his platform. He buys the platform. He trolls people about cryptocurrencies and whatever, and the SEC can't get them because it's not a security yet, right? He loves it. But then out of nowhere, the DOJ shows up and is like, hey, we have crypto tweets or whatever. That's not our business. But you've been tweeting a lot about what we think are unfair hiring practices for one of your other companies, SpaceX. And that's an interesting thing because you're hiring all these people and you're in partnerships. And there's international employees who want to work with you. So we're going to sue you. We're going to sue you over one of your ex-posts. That sort of suggests that they, I think there's the list of countries, but there was something where they were deliberately not hiring from countries where they were like refugee status. Yeah, I mean, it's very complicated. discrimination
1: against refugees. And, 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 and,
0: it, and it feels like someone really went deep on this one, like got down into the carpet and just dug around until <laughs> somebody found the like little broken piece of toothpick uh-huh. stuck in my foot. I was like, this is, this is all the bad shit you've been doing this is it. And now we're going to sue you. So I just, it was like talk about the way to end a week where, you know, rockets landing on the moon, things falling out of the sky. You got the Fed in Wyoming. You got India rising on a geopolitical stage. You got BRICS conferences with key members missing. You got CBDCs, you got GOP. And it's like, but you don't forget about Musk. Remember me, everybody. I'm the reason why you love your car, but Hate your seed. And I am in trouble with the law again. Even though his customer
1: is the Department of Defense, he's getting sued by the Department of Justice. I mean, it's it, 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 interesting, it, though, <laughs> when you talk about money, power, technology, you know, the Justice Department's claiming that they can, that BaseX that should only hire U.S. citizens. So the control over the information, over where the satellites get deployed, over what goes on the rocket, over who makes it to the moon. I mean, you think about that control over the money, the the ability to have global funding, all of a sudden he's got, you know, he's got technology. Elon Musk has technology in his hand that at one point in time, and for probably more than a hundred, 200 years was maintained by the government. And, and it's not like we've been flying rockets for 200 years, right? Not been that long, but now you've got a private citizen with a lot of money with that kind of power and control. Uh, i'm gonna leave it there final thoughts as we head and finish out what will be the last full week the next time we talk will be september
0: well it's accumulate accumulate so but while, while these interest rates are relatively low not financial advice but i'm to try to borrow some money and maybe get a little bitcoin bag <laughs> just in time for the full moon the blue
1: moon <laughs> enjoy it we'll talk at the next blue moon sir we'll do it again all right talk to you later
0: That's all the time we have for Off The Record, On The Rocks. Join us next week for news and all things crypto. Bring up the house lights. It's Last Call.